This is the Doctor Who podcast, and you are most welcome. Now, where is he? This is a really silly time to play hide and seek. I have no idea where Trevor is. I will never ever say yes to one of his silly schemes again just because he wanted to go and hide. everyone hiding over here in the corner next to the china hutch ah right yes and it's because i still don't know what a china hutch is and that's probably why i couldn't find you well we've had it in the camper van for three years now you should know what one is but uh, yes i'm here you're here and we're all here to talk about the latest episode of doctor who on our screens hello james hello trevor how you doing i'm doing okay yeah I'm doing okay. It, it never ceases to amaze me at how awake you can sound one minute, and, and <laughs> given that you were virtually asleep 60 seconds ago. Uh, Trevor is once again recording in a ridiculous hour, and uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, talking Doctor Who is fun at any hour in the day, but uh, I, I, I'm very glad I don't have to get up so early, <laughs> as regularly as you do, Trev. No, there's a, there's a nothing like reviewing a Doctor Who episode to get the synapses snapping and, 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 and the blood flowing and the adrenaline pumping. Oh, and it's clearly pumping so very, very quickly this morning. It only took you 30 seconds to find the word adrenaline. <laughs> <laughs> the magic of editing. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but as you probably figured out from our incredibly uh, original intro there, we are reviewing the latest episode of Doctor Who called Hyde. I had a little peek at your records back at the Ministry. Well, you've certainly seen a thing or two in your time. Disrupting U-boat operations across the North Sea, sabotaging railway lines across Europe, Operation Gibbon, the one with the carrier pigeons, brilliant. I do love a carrier pigeon. I did my duty, but then so did thousands of others, millions of others. I was just lucky enough to come back. Yes, but how does that man, that war hero, end up here in a lonely old house looking for ghosts? Okay, this is the Doctor Who does a ghost story episode. But but Trevor, I, I know you like sci-fi. I'm not so sure whether you like ghost stories. Or, or was this even a ghost story? Yeah, I don't know. It, it was an interesting beast for me. I mean, I'm not a, a, a massive fan of horror and, uh, um, you know, sort of those those ghost-type stories. Um, but it, it was an interesting mixture of scares and almost like a family drama. Because, I mean, as far as I can figure out, the doctor was there to check up on that girl and make sure he got together with the guy. So, you know, it, it was a bit of a romantic thing as well. Yes. I mean, I, I think this is one thing that was very, very clear about the story. The genre was mixed. I mean, we were going into this story believing it to be a a horror story, um, a horror genre, it was a ghost story, and certainly for the first, I would say, 15-20 minutes, it lived up to that billing fantastically. It was scary. I will go as far as to say it was quite scary this time. Sometimes Doctor Who tries to be scary, but 
fails or, or doesn't quite manage to drive children behind pieces of furniture in a lounge and in, in a way mm-hmm. that it used to. But this time round, for me, this was scary. I would say this this had me at the edge of my seat, and I, I was was slightly nervous about what was going to happen next. But yeah, there was there was this element of love, the relationships uh, again, which was started off almost hidden if you'd excuse the phrase but was gradually drawn out of the story and it came to the surface by the end of the story but uh but yeah for me i i thought it worked really well um what would what would you say would you say you enjoyed this probably not because i don't really like the genre and and you use mm. the word gradually there and, and that's probably my biggest i don't know dislike of this particular story that there's not really a lot in it and when it finally gets to a point where you know there's an actual story I wasn't really that satisfied with the story itself. I thought it was an interesting idea that this ghost was some sort of uh, trapped space traveller or or, or time traveller from the future, basically. But then they threw in all that stuff about her being his, you know, great-great-great-great-great-great-grandmother or granddaughter or whatever it's supposed to be. And it it just went a little bit off the rails for me. Hmm. Um, I I, I thought the the alternate universe, splinter universe, was a really interesting idea. I don't know, there was just something about this that I didn't really enjoy. I, I think you can tell from your tone, almost, and, and that's why I asked the question, really, because it's you, you don't seem to, or you don't sound as though you've really, really enjoyed it, but you don't sound particularly clear on, on why. No, well, I mean, it, 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 you know, the 45 minutes just washed over me, really. Uh, I, I wasn't that particularly thrilled with Doug Ray Scott. I mean, I've, I've seen him in other stuff, and... He's okay, I suppose. But in this, he just seemed a bit wet. And that uh, assistant he was with, um, what was her name? Emma or yeah. whatever it was? Yeah, yeah, Emma. Um, yeah, I mean, those two spent three quarters of the episode making googly eyes at each other and, you know, unrequited love and all that. And, and that always really annoys me because I'm just sitting there thinking, just get on with it. Just give each other a <laughs> kiss or say how much you love each other. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it just annoys me when I get stories like that because I, I don't really think that happens in real life. I, I, I think if there's an attraction there and it's, it, there seem to be quite a deep one, um, that people just do something about it. You know, they don't act like a soap opera and, and, and uh, not share their true feelings. Hmm. I, I, I know what you mean. Um, and, and there certainly was a soap opera element to it. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to say what I thought about it now and you might be a little bit surprised but I thought this was absolutely spellbinding I thought it was a fantastic episode of Doctor Who and I loved it Uh, and I think whatever they were trying to do with the format which fundamentally I think was to do something original they they succeeded and I I was glued to the screen for pretty much the whole 45 minutes and I, I, I know what you mean when you say there are certain elements that didn't completely ring true. Uh, I mean, the relationship side of things, I did buy into, and I was interested in what was going to happen between um, was it Alec Palmer, I think, Do Grey Scott's character, and Emma Groening. I, I, I really did want to know what was happening, but I, I just love the way the Doctor brings the plot back to the show that we know and love, because irrespective of how far down the romantic route the plot is going you've always got that time lordy doctorish thing and i think that was just perfect in this episode you know exemplified almost in this 
you know, just a few lines. There was one particular scene with him and Clara where Clara was clearly scared. And I think that's fantastic because that just goes back and develops what we saw in Cold War. Clara is not comfortable travelling with a doctor and seeing all of these fantastical things. She is getting a little bit scared every now and again. And the doctor stops and he says, I'm giving you a face. And he makes this kind of head motion. And for me, that was that was Matt Smith being the doctor in, in a fantastic way. It was absolutely archetype 11th Doctor stuff. And uh, it, it, it was just, just really, really good for me. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll say again, I think Matt Smith is doing a fantastic job as the Doctor. And he, in many cases, does hold the episodes together when they do fall slightly off the rails, like uh, the recent Rings episode, for example. But, um, yeah, it... it for me, it needs more than that. I mean, I need more than a fantastic performance to, uh, I don't know, fully enjoy a story. Oh. I mean, I actually want a story there. And you didn't get that. This this was packed full of story. It was absolutely rammed. Ghost story, time travel. We saw the Earth when it was born or six billion years ago to the point where it's destroyed. We, we saw relationships here. We saw the horror element. There, In fact, you know... Along with a TARDIS, not having a relationship with Clara or disliking Clara, uh, so it would seem. There's so many things going on in this episode. I'm I'm, I'm surprised to hear that you thought it was just woof, there. <laughs> you know those bits where um, you two should get together, you know, you're so perfect together. That really annoys me too. <sighs> I mean, it's like friends who see a couple and say, when are you guys going to tie the knot? Or if a guy sees a... Or, or if a or if a girl sees a married couple without any children, you know, they spend all their time saying, when are you going to have some kids? It would be really nice to hear the patter of little feet. The, to me, that puts immense pressure on a couple. And I, I think that would actually drive them apart <laughs> more, more than make them turn to each other and say, this is destined. Yes, I mean, if we've got I a agree. guy turning up saying that you, you, you guys are going to spend the rest of your life together. He wanted to find an, what do they call it now, an empathetic sidekick to analyse Clara. And we didn't find this out until the very end where you just had the two actors in one scene, the Doctor and Emma Grayling. And he said, I came here for you, I didn't come here for the ghost um, because I want to know what Clara is. She's a temporal anomaly, fundamentally. And that's why he was so annoyed in a way, or frustrated, shall we say, when she said, well, she's just a girl. There's nothing out of the ordinary about her. So that's the reason why the Doctor was there to start with. Yeah, it was a bit of a nothing scene, really, wasn't it? I mean, I really expected them to throw some little tidbit at us, even if it was going to be obscure. Mm. Something about Clara that could get the fans thinking and talking and jumping on discussion forums <laughs> with wild theories. But there was nothing there. I mean, they, they had this psychic there, and she said, well, no, she's... Nothing but a normal girl. What are you talking about? Yeah, absolutely. So, I, I do think we got the slight hint, though, about the mystery that is Clara. And I think that is what this story with a TARDIS is leading to. And, we, we, you know, we've had the fact that the TARDIS locked her out in the rings of Akatan. She couldn't get in it. And she was saying, well, doesn't doesn't the TARDIS like me? And then, as you said last week... Uh, 
the TARDIS just kind of ran away um, and we blamed it on extremely overzealous and oversensitive heads. But maybe it was Clara. It was thinking, well, no, I'm just going to disappear this time. And and this story, we saw Clara having to convince the TARDIS to let her in to go and rescue the Doctor out of this pocket universe. Now, I think that is all leading to something and I think it's probably going to be fairly intrinsic to the solution or whatever it is that Moffat is is, is plotting with Clara. I, I think the TARDIS is part of it. And and next week we've got a story all about the TARDIS. So we'll we'll find out whether mm. or not that theory is true or not perhaps sooner rather than later. But there were a number of little lines in this episode as well that I thought were really funny. Um I, I again I, I think if you juxtaposition comedy with a really scary situation it can work really well and I think Russell T Davies did that extremely well in some of his stories but given this is one of the scariest one of the darkest stories we've seen so far I think it's great when you've got who is it now I think it was Emma quipping about being Alex Palmer's assistant as opposed to companion and again that's that's a huge in joke Uh, again no one will ever get a reference mm. to that unless you're a fan I thought that was fantastic I, I, I like the way as I've already said with Clara and the Doctor the way that he kind of persuaded her to get interested in the ghost hunts I thought that was wonderful I like the way that she questions the professor about buying this house and she said well you went to a bank and asked for a mortgage to buy this scary house it just kind of worked this time for me and um, when when you look at the enormity and the scale of the rings of akatan that again was written by by neil cross the same author you kind of think how on earth do you get two such different stories coming out of the same pen because one just simply didn't quite nail it in my view it was good and it was enjoyable but didn't quite nail it whereas this one for me I think it's fantastic. And I understand this was the script that he wrote first of the two. And from what I understand, this was the first episode that uh, Jenna Louise filmed as, as part of this block too. So if you think she's nailed it right out of the block, then that, 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 that's probably more of a you know, sort of pat on the back for Jenna Louise that uh, she was able to get Clara really working well in her first story, basically. It goes one of two ways, doesn't it? Either an actor grows into the character and then brings more of their personality into the character, and that can work if it's done really well. But sometimes the character can be unrecognisable three or four stories mm. into the run. Um, that hasn't happened for me. I've I've bought Clara's portrayal in all of her episodes so far, including the two variant versions of her in Asylum and uh, and the Snowmen. But I th- I think the fact that this has such a small cast in total really, really helped the claustrophobic nature of this story. And you, you mentioned earlier that you weren't that impressed with Dougray Scott. I mean, yeah, the character was a bit wet, but having said that, the reason why he was wet is because he was a survivor, a survivor from a war where he sent people to their deaths, and he was a tortured soul, and therefore he'd gone and kind of isolated himself in this research... And I thought he was brilliant. I, I found him captivating. And it, it, it's just pure coincidence that I happen to be watching, along with my wife, I think it's series four of Desperate Housewives at the moment, and he turns up in that as well. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I was thinking, I recognise that bloke. And yet the characters are so different. And I thought he was fantastic. And uh, I thought Jessica Rain as well 
was brilliant and i i loved all of the portrayals in this story i thought it was fantastic in fact the only one who i didn't really buy who was almost incidental was the main ghost it was this hilda Takoria who was basically wearing a shimmer and onesie uh, you know which i thought was great i never thought i'd say that expression uh when i'm not talking about delta and the bannerman but yeah i i just thought it was great i mean e- even the log monsters <laughs> you know I, I i just thought this was a really really good episode of doctor who i think you've hit something there maybe we are seeing the return of delta and the bannerman maybe that was this story's uh nod to the past <laughs> They've chosen Delta to homage in this particular story. Certainly one of the more obscure references, perhaps. Um, well, I did think there were a number, though. I have to say that much in in this um, episode. Let me just reel through these, OK, and see whether or not any of these strike a chord with you. Um, the loud bangs from this unseen monster immediately put me in mind of Midnight. I mean, it, it's uh... it's slightly different because you never get to see the monster in midnight. You just hear these bangs on the side of the bus or the transport mm. or whatever. And that, for me, made me jump. I remember watching Midnight. It made me jump when you got this bang coming through. And the bangs that you heard in Hyde had exactly the same effect. So that that was one. I think a bang is a bang, really. I knew you were going to say that. That's why I love recording with you. <laughs> a bang is a bang. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, secondly, slightly less obscure, perhaps, um, and, and a bit more obvious, the chalk circle from Battlefield. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, if we're going to have a ghost story with, with spirits and stuff like that, then someone's going to draw a chalk circle, so... <laughs> You, you are one hard man to impress, I'll tell you. You really are. Okay, you must have got the Metabilis 3 thing. Yeah, Metabilis 3. That that was a nice little touch, and we hear it not once, but twice. Mm. It did slightly annoy me, that reference, and him getting the crystal from the planet, because according to Planet of the Spiders, there was only one crystal missing, i.e. the one the oh, Doctor got right. in his third incarnation. Are they trying to say there was another crystal missing I and the Great Spider was wrong? Don't know. Um, now I'm oh, really trying dear, to remember dear. here. Didn't Joe Grant send it back to the Doctor in in Planet of the Spiders? And did, what did he do with it then? Uh, according to, to that story, it was the only one that was missing. The Great Spider came to Earth to get it because it was the one last crystal to complete her web. So what happened? What happened to that crystal? In Planet of the Spiders. Uh, well, it, it, it formed part of the uh, Great Spiders Matrix, but now ah. the Doctor's got another one. He, he's popped off to Metabilis and grabbed another one. Well, perhaps there was a point in time in Metabilis 3's past where crystals were lying all over the planet of the surface. <clears throat> right. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm working here. Yes. But, um, <laughs> you're, 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 you're trying to excuse this horrendous continuity blunder. Ah. How dare you? I, thought, I didn't think it was a horrendous continuity blunder. I thought it was a loving nod uh, to the third Doctor's era. And I think within the first four, the first four stories of season 7B, we've had references to the first four eras of the classic show as well. So I'm wondering whether or not this is going to continue. And uh, we, we have direct exchanges or direct references to the show's past for the remainder of these episodes but one of the things that i did notice again in this episode and uh, i think you identified it earlier as well is that there was quite a number of intimate personal exchanges there were lots of scenes with just two actors or two characters in them i really liked the exchanges between alec palmer and the doctor when they were developing photographs i thought that was fantastic and moving where you found out a little bit about uh, Palmer's past. 
I also really enjoyed the exchange the Doctor had with Clara, where she's slightly concerned about him. You know when he just gives her the grand tour of the history of planet Earth from its birth to death? And Mm. she says something along the lines of, oh, we're all just ghosts to you, aren't we? And the Doctor turns around and says, no, never that. Never that. I thought that was a bit much. I mean, I I hate when companions with... So, I mean, this is like the Rose Syndrome. Companions with so little experience travelling with the Doctor, they make these grand assumptions about what the Doctor feels and what the Doctor is. I mean... uh, I, I didn't really like that comment. It seemed to be a bit out of place. I, I know what totally you mean. wrong anyway. But for it, this it, time around, I think it's the other way around. The emphasis is not on the, what the companion says. It's how the Doctor reacted. Because I think we've got a depressed Doctor here still. He says, you, Clara, are the only mystery worth solving. I still think the Doctor mentally is sitting on his cloud. The one that we saw in a Christmas special last year. And the reason he's got off it was because Clara is an intriguing enough a mystery. And beneath all of this bluster, beneath all of the saving of the universe, he's still a very damaged man, probably as a result of losing the ponds. I think that's what we're supposed to think from that exchange this time. Mm, perhaps. I hope he snaps out of it, because that's not what the Doctor is for me. I mean, I mean, I don't need an emo Doctor for the 50th anniversary. <laughs> I really don't. I don't think we'll get it for the 50th anniversary, because I think the story will be a celebration. I don't think it will be a morose Doctor getting over, you know, the loss of his companions or something but uh, but what better way to do it to show him afraid and again I, I know you don't like the emo doctor but how do you feel about the doctor being scared as he was on the in in the forest on the pocket universe the one that looked very similar to Blair Witch Project no that, that's fine I mean the one of the character traits of the doctor is that he's always scared he, he mightn't show it all the time but um, the the doctor is smart enough to be scared, to, to, to understand that um, there are very scary situations. And, and it's only a fool that enters a situation like that and doesn't have a degree of fear in them. Mm. It, it grounds you. It, it makes you more, more aware of what's going on around you. So, yeah, I, I have no problem at all with him finding that incredibly scary. Mm. I, I think perhaps he wasn't, he wasn't afraid to show that he was scared this time because he was on his own. He didn't have a companion at the time mm. uh, to you know, make him feel that he had to be brave or you know, put on a, a false bravado. And uh, neither was he saving anybody at the time. Whereas, of course, when he understands the situation a little better at the end of the episode, all of a sudden it's, where are you then? Where are you? And his attitude changes again. And I, I think this episode is a fascinating examination of the Doctor's personality. And that's not something that you normally get. Uh, within an episode of Doctor Who and every now and again I really welcome that I like seeing what makes him happy what makes him sad what makes him enthusiastic about solving a particular mystery and sometimes it's not the mystery at all it it, it can be something totally seemingly tangential tangential uh, as the story was on this occasion because clearly Clara is still the thing that's bugging him it's the thing that's driving him Um, he wants to find out what her mystery and what her secrets are and uh, I I just love that when that's kind of put in the same episodes where you have a companion calling the TARDIS a grumpy old cow it's it's absolutely perfect for me Well, we've looked to the past. Now it's time to look to the future, James. Uh, there's, there's all sorts of stuff happening in the Doctor Who world at the moment. Uh, filming in Trafalgar Square, for example. Yes, indeed. And guess who was there? 
You were. Yes. And Matt Smith and Jenna Louise Coleman oh. and a certain grumpy old cow. Um, that's the TARDIS. Um, and uh, not Gemma Redgrave. Uh, and she was there as well. Um, but it was wonderful. This was my very, very first attendance at a Doctor Who location shoot. Now, I, I've seen tweets in the past where people have suddenly found themselves in the middle of a Doctor Who shoot. And they've gone, wow, what what a coincidence. And isn't it wonderful? Now, I was working, I think it was last Wednesday as we're recording this, and I saw a couple of my um, friends tweet pictures of TARDIS's in Trafalgar Square, and I just thought, oh, something else I've missed then. What I didn't realise is that it was happening then, and I was able to spend my lunch hour uh, in Trafalgar Square taking photographs of Matt Smith, the TARDIS, and uh, all of these other people involved on uh, what was, it transpired, uh, the shoot for the 50th anniversary special. There you go. How how very lucky. I mean, I've, I've seen a few of those photos myself, you know, with Matt Smith hanging from the mm. bottom of the TARDIS for some reason and uh, various other goings on. It, it all, all looks very exciting. Oh, it, it was. Sadly, that happened before I got there. But uh, I, I was there for about 40 minutes or so. And they, they, they were filming... You know, and there's, there's, no, there's no spoilers here uh, because nobody knew anything. But they, they, they were doing some entry and exiting scenes from the TARDIS in Trafalgar Square. And they had a couple of huge wind machines just behind the TARDIS as well. Uh, not that they needed it because it was an incredibly windy day anyway. And um, mm. there was just a few lines being spoken um, between the main characters. And I, I think it took all of about four, five hours in total. I, I understand they were there from about half past nine in the morning and they'd gone by half past two or thereabouts. Mm. So... Um, you know, it, it wasn't a major shoot. We knew they were in London because they were filming at the Tower of London the previous day. And again, there was a whole load of Doctor Who fans descended upon the Tower of London, took photographs and started tweeting things as well. Um, but if you want to see some of those photographs, then check out our timeline on our Twitter feed because I posted them there. There are no spoilers there. There is nothing that can spoil your enjoyment of the 50th anniversary <laughs> unless you think a picture of Matt Smith running his hand through his hair is a spoiler. And if it is, then oh, frankly... You're, you're kidding. <laughs> what, was it his left or right hand? It was his left hand. Oh, you've ruined it now. Oh. What, because that could possibly be the hand he lost in the Christmas invasion and it's going to be yes, reintroduced exactly. again? In the fiftieth anniversary. Oh, yes. I know. I'm yes. sorry, Trevor. I apologise for spoiling Fans such a make major a lot plot of that point. Because it wasn't his right hand; it was his left hand. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I tell you, there's there's something in that. Ah, well, this this is one of the really good things about um, you know li- living in the UK. Uh, I I've never seen anything like this before, and I, I I know they occasionally go outside of Cardiff to film, but. For me to actually be at work and be available to go down to watch the shoot at a moment's notice, it was, I think, what could be described as the best lunch hour ever. Episode four of this season of Doctor Who continues to build on the strengths of the previous three episodes. From the outset, there is a sense of events being in progress and the Doctor and his new-ish companion arrive as events are taking place, not as a catalyst for things to unfold. This adds to a sense of wonder in the show, inferring that strange and wonderful things happen all the time and that sometimes the Doctor is involved and sometimes he's not. From the word go, Neil Cross's writing is compelling and propulsive 
The Doctor delivers the exposition at breakneck speed, and then we're off. There is a clear analogue between Do Grace Scott's Professor Alec Palmer, Jessica Raine's Emma Grayling, and the Doctor and his companion. This, among other references, is laid out in dialogue. It's 1974, she's your assistant making for a satisfying mirroring of the relationship between the Doctor and Clara. Actually, I wonder, has there been a specific date mentioned in every episode this season so far? So how's Matt Smith getting on? Well, every episode, it seems that his characterisation of the Doctor becomes stronger. Perhaps this is a combination of writers now writing for his characterisation, as well as his clear physical confidence in the role. He's now absolutely distinct from the other ten lead actors, which is just as well with an anniversary coming up. In short, the Eleventh Doctor is now very, very convincing. Neil Cross is a great addition to the roll call of Doctor Who writers. With The Rings of Arkhanaughton, he proved that he could write epic, and with Hyde, he proves that he can write intimate. One of the most enjoyable parts of this episode is the way that intimacy becomes claustrophobia, and the manner in which an empty and vast forest can seem close and cloying, suffocating. Supernatural threats and a tangible feeling of terror combined with characters appearing in windows revealed by flashes of lightning. This is actual, factual, frightening Doctor Who. The Eleventh Doctor and Clara in this story present as confident as the Fourth Doctor and Sarah Jane Smith. At times, the setting and their performances reminded me of Seeds of Doom and Pyramids of Mars. And this is ironic, given the panoply of Third Doctor references. The crystal, the harness lash-up, the cable snaking out of the TARDIS, and I am really liking the sense that the TARDIS can actually fly in space, as well as travel through time. Note how neatly that was enforced as two separate events and sequences in this episode. Dugray Scott came over as possibly the best Doctor that we'll never have. Capricious, brilliant and deceitful is how he described the lead actor, and he held his own in fine style all the way through this episode. If the Doctor and the Professor are reflections of each other, then... That reflection is slightly skewed. The Professor has retreated after seeing so much death whilst the Doctor dismisses it and carries on travelling, or, if you prefer, running away. Emma Grayling is drawn as a woman of tenderness and great strength, a difficult balance to portray, and one achieved with elegance and confidence. It will be terrific to see Jessica Rain return to the screen later this year as Verity Lambert in Mark Gatiss' Adventure in Space and Time. So, what is this story actually about? It's a ghost story, a love story, a tale about resilience of memory and maybe the strength of partnerships. Blood relationships played out across time. That could be Emma and Alec Palmer, the crooked man and his partner, and of course the Doctor and the TARDIS. Is perhaps the Doctor related to Clara as his great-granddaughter? Time will tell. Haunted houses, ghosts and witches, how could the Doctor not know about a stray time traveller? That aspect of the story is rather glossed over, I think, unless it is something that we might return to in later episodes, but I'll leave that for you to discuss. For theories of arcs, each show since episode two now has had a reference to a previous era of Doctor Who, Susan, the Hads and the Ice Warriors, and this week's Metabolis 3. Yeah, I said it, Metabolis. Once again this week, the TARDIS is presented as a character with agency and a voice. This is no bad thing, as the ship has been with us since day one. It's nice to hear her recognised in her own right. But rather like the sonic screwdriver, you can have too much of a good thing, so I'm interested to see how this plays out over time. 
flipping through the Earth's history like a playbook, inviting Clara's horrified suggestion that we are all ghosts to the Doctor, perhaps interpolating the viewer and exposing the transient nature of characters in Doctor Who. The most terrifying thing for some is not being able to communicate, being dislocated, seeing life at a different pace, experiencing the same thing as others but through different dimensions of space and time through separation. And so, at the episode's end, many people are reunited. And as with Fury from the Deep and the Empty Child, everybody lives. Is the message that flesh calls to flesh, blood calls to blood, and that those destined to be together will always find each other? The crooked man in search of his mate underscores the other prevalent theme this season, that what appears to be familiar and clear is anything but. No one is necessarily what they seem. Sometimes monsters are kind, and sometimes heroes let you down in a week. Perhaps the journey to the heart of the TARDIS may reveal another inter-family crisis of loss and separation. Back to this week, though. The best ghost story easily since the horror of Fang Rock. Shall we play Spot the Reference to Tom Baker's era next week? Ah, maybe. See you then. Just before we go, I, Trevor, have a... Cookie theory... Of the week. You have a kooky theory. It's exciting, isn't it? We haven't had one of those for a long time. No. Mm. Bear in mind that I never get this right. And and secondly, this is not entirely my kooky theory, I have to say. This uh, this is uh, Michael from the Tin Dog podcast. He texted me this morning. But I'm hijacking it and I'm going to run with it because I like it. Now, this isn't about Hyde, the episode we've just been discussing. But it's about the Rings of Aquitaine. You know, that immensely wonderful visual episode we reviewed a couple of weeks or so ago mm. do you remember yes, dimly i remember it yeah dimly yes, <laughs> dimly. yes yes do you remember um clara not being allowed access to the tardis again in the market square yes do you also remember the doctor saying he'd visited akatan before with susan yes could the tardis that refused entry to clara actually be the first doctor's tardis Ah, I was one. Yeah, actually, that does tie in slightly. Yeah, I, I wish I could attribute this theory properly, but I, I, I read a tweet or a Facebook post from someone who mentioned that they thought in Cold War, when the TARDIS disappeared, it wasn't the Matt Smith Doctor's TARDIS. It was the Hartnell TARDIS. Ah. Now, I haven't had time to go back and actually check whether that is the case, but... Yeah, if it actually is a different, you know, basically uh, yeah. coloured or shaped TARDIS, like the Hartnell TARDIS, then your theory, or more correctly, Tin Dog's kooky theory, <laughs> yes, might sadly. hold a bit of water. <laughs> yes, which is uh, a, a very apt metaphor, given Cold Wars um, <laughs> had so much water in it. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm wondering, I mean, you know how Moffat sets things up years in advance sometimes, and, you know, one of the first things he did when he took over the show was to regenerate the TARDIS into the TARDIS that we saw in the first Doctor's era. You know, had the St. John's Ambulance logo on it. Could this mm. have been in his mind all along that he's going to play around with the TARDIS in the 50th anniversary year? And uh, if if that is the case, how many other times have we seen other Doctor's TARDIS in locations that um, that the Doctor has visited Previously, uh, I, I I think you're reaching a little bit with that one. Oh, James. I'm going to run with it. I'm going to run with it because I also think this is going to tie in somehow to this trust issue the TARDIS seems to have with Clara uh, that we've just spoken about briefly. 
and I, I think this is all going to be rolled in together. So I am going to take Michael's kooky theory and I'm going to raise it <laughs> a little bit uh, to say that the TARDIS is going to play a fundamental role in um, mm. in this series. And it's going to be interesting as well, given that Journey to the Centre of the TARDIS is coming up next week. It's going to be all about the TARDIS. Are we, I'm, I'm going to say it again. Are we going to get an explanation for the exploding TARDIS? I was going to mention the same thing. If we've got two TARDISes floating around now, mm. then we can afford to blow one up, can't we? Well, there you go. Maybe that's what happens. Mm. And, uh, mm. you know, I think we, we postulated this uh, in total and utter jest when we previewed Season 7B. And I think you said, yes, we are going to get an explanation in Journey to the Centre of the TARDIS. <laughs> Before we go, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to put out the call for feedback. We're getting a lot rolling in at the moment. We're certainly getting some very uh, creative feedback for the Rings of Akatan, for example. <laughs> Thank you very much to all those that have sent stuff in. Um, but we want more. Uh, Lisa and Michelle are going to be doing a feedback episode very, very soon. So get in your thoughts. Fire MP3 is the most preferred method to feedback at the com. Yeah, always fun to hear what you, the listeners, think of not only the episodes that Trev and I enjoy discussing so much, but also what you think of our ridiculous comments uh, on a weekly basis. And, and I will just say, Trevor, that this time round, Season 7B, we've had the most audio feedback we have ever received. So Lisa awesome. and Michelle are really going to have their work cut out here because there's a heck of a lot to get through. But we will try and play all of the feedback that we receive at some point, even if it doesn't make it into the feedback episode that's coming up shortly. All I can say is, um, bye, James. Was that a metaphor to say that you thought Hyde ended very abruptly as well? Bye, James. (laughs) Bye, Trevor. (laughs) Wonderful speaking to you as always. That was the Doctor Who Podcast, which you can find at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. If you have any feedback, please send it into feedback at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and via the Doctor Who Podcast forums. Thank you for listening. Take care. And now, two seconds at 200. Interviews, opinions, and... and, uh, I'd like to get for any subsequent episode. So surreal. I'll wake up soon, I'm sure. <laughs> so I have been overwhelmed. I can relax for an hour. Fans seem that imprint. And when it first started, it polished kind of. I know. Podcast. Well, it's been. Uh, it's, been... It's, um, it's not. You know, seven point eight two million excuses for him not being here. Thirteen <laughs> of the Doctor Who podcast. Well, it's incredibly good, but hopefully, if people it's very good, mm. it will sort of defeat the purpose. When, when Laura from the Ood came to have a bit of a talk about the... Uh, oh, that, that, that is indisputable. My bubble there. Here I was thinking about <laughs> the second episode. Oh. Because I suppose on this type of the world, it would be a winter cold. The conclusion. Come in. Um, I, I think characterful is what was. Absolute thrill to have you back, Marty. Ooh, podcast. Hello, David. Hello. Yeah. Tell me how right you are this to the end of the season. No, I'd agree. Perhaps introduce Mr... Enjoy and revel in. Now, down. Uh, looked at the artwork that went with last week. The sea, I was thinking all that long ago, like fan films in the Doctor Who style. Back.
Yes, lots of exciting. I'm good. It's lovely to see. It. It's lo- it's lovely to be back. I just finished with uh, Alex Day. Um, all I would say is, Trev, it's okay. well. Plus, it's all of. So I'd like to welcome James and Tom. As far as I'm concerned, it's top north. Is Patrick Troughton the man who continues? So, what story do we have that starts season? One big game, yes, okay. Via our Twitter feed for what we've been doing with on the Twitters and on the forums and in the and stuff like that. Thank you. This time, thank Massive, massive non-event. Was released last year and... Uh, Time since I've seen either of these two stories. It's like forever, actually, really. Yeah, not going to win anything, so I'm here anyway. With this uh, MP3 track, this is it at home and you want to watch the... Not quality. <laughs> ...from BBC America. Tom, let me let me start. ...on the Skype to Tober who material on it with... Um... Big finish for me is, is something very... This might open the rift... ...out there at the moment. There's always something that I don't use, but I seem to remember... ...so uh, it was a bit of a... So- ...just wanted to drop you a note and say how much I... Lo- ...tell them not to come. ...for the Doctor podcast and go to the... ...before we get into the news, and it's been quite a bit... <laughs> So now we're going to go along to Los Angeles. That's all right. Perhaps what I could do is uh, to ask in which order. A hotel in Los Angeles. It was uh, pretty much the day after the. Um... It's the battle with, um, but yes, and put it into a little bit of con. My two minutes are up. So that which the three of us usually. Um, I can't actually. It was um, the lyric quiz and. Uh person with the highest hello hello it's great to have you back with i am here because how could i not be recognizable as doctor who and, uh, it, it doesn't include people who watched it particularly in the 16th century oh yes magazine recently let's avoid any but if it helps there's a very famous far away we had chip saying that the uh, cliffhanger to the episode not like that myself so trev yes i think it needs can you just undo these restraints it's not you know it's it, i hadn't realized that we had them is a rich and diverse plum it was pretty much in the very pivotal but brief a surprise to everyone involved in the show. Yes, yes, I had to dust without talking about anything else. Without even Davison's last season, that are kind of complaining and, and Andrew Cartman was moaning to buttons and things you can press on top. The Sarah Jane Adventures, a couple of episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> let's go. Desk over there where we've got all our feet into which guest. I wasn't able to do the 100 second mark of the above. Let's find out, hey? Of series six or series six. Oh. So the rescue of you two. <laughs> We've done. We have to do the feedback episode. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the thing I'm... I'm, I'm most... Let's go first. Off you go, James. Siding with... Leaving me with loquacious, which is good. Fourier, who has written for practical... When I went, hmm. Yeah. Yes, and the only question that remains... Uh, teeth and curls. Yeah. And apparently he talks like that... When... Uh, certain bits that were clean and that was back in july this year special treat for all you listeners out presence 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 go first james name will be impersonated so within the same biosphere uh, and for the first time i can remember i was truly hoping that he would make them more durable what would you make them out of trev i was still working with trevor at the time gallifrey back in to the good <laughs> they're not really a day is it possible that lisa brought now has to get across there on the plane I'd offer an opinion and try and maybe hacks uh, that much, I suppose. Hey, well, if you want to complain about the stories that you find interesting, to yeah, called Toowoomba, and it is downloaded this for. That's yes. why they brought it up. I think a good guideline. Flattering, you want to join the team. Tro, there's three of them here at the moment. After a um, and they're what and was saying. Well, it's Easter Saturday. What? Classic DVD range. Preserving our favourite. 
the look of puzzlement spread across Tom House, you know, wall-to-wall piles of new... At least my daughter will grow up... ...tell one of the great things I thought was... ...actually happened, or maybe you can get... ...via email, via... ...for a long, long time. May remember... You ...about Tom is mm-hmm. uh, Michelle... ...the hole in your um, Doctor Who universe... First ...season, of course, this, this being the last... I just watch it. I don't know. I, I... That allow you to descend closer to the macro. To attend all four yeah, uh, events. Yeah. You must think of the show and their experiences with it. Quite, uh, it was quite an emotional... Uh... Like that, to wave around a little bit. But after you... Stephen Moffat talk to people. Oh, God. This is fun. Have... And I will then refer to a few other... ...about um, why. It's only 54. It screens the following week. Another Australianism that you guys... Are... <laughs> the loo. Now, uh... and I couldn't say anything. Uh, you see, you can't... Live back in 1965. No. <laughs> to Asylum, because I really loved Asylum. What do we do? Choose. Get back and have a nice some days before we can sit down in front. Hello and welcome to... Favourite Master. And as a real, really special... ...will we'll appreciate being likened to a drummer. So long I've forgotten everything. I'm not indeed. A geek out I compensators, as it were. Um, Next season in Doctor Who. Oh, yes. Uh, of the 10th Doctor, uh, who... Bridge Wells is a fantastic student, because that's pretty much... And to obey my orders. Um, ...than when mm. he last appeared in the role. End of time was four episodes, because it was a two-part... Some of the earliest stuff was essential. How, how, how about you, Liz? Well, I... I just in, in a very quick summary... ...really enjoyed her when she was Oswin in the side. Interviews, wonderful interviews with... with I'm happy to be here to you, James. Thank you. I will buy them a drink, uh, unless they ask. And when Trevor said to me, we get a line to that joke before the end of the episode, you think you may have gotten the wrong idea about this podcast. You, you've made so many changes. That one. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been a... Um, what can I tell you? Um, I, I've, I've been to... Uh, we're standing under the steps. Completely depanced the dark. <laughs> what do you think? More people or the same amount of people? I mean, no. One at a time, and there's five rounds. I am the man. Series episode, whatever they want to call it. Church, and aside from... And, and that applies the other side of the pond. During waking hours for this podcast. Relative to us, the UK gets... And that's something else I will never get used to. <laughs> a nine, I believe, Trevor, that you... you... Listeners saying there are places on Earth <laughs> supposed to do. <laughs> James, you didn't feature the Venus um, black milk. We were drilling... A modern writer, Gary Hopkins... What is this pornographic filth that the BBC is spewing out upon us? Hide. Hide.